Are you looking for freedom? Freedom from the daily grind and hustle? Or just finding a way to live the life you always wanted? Then join us on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Our host, Mike Ayala, will help you discover new ways to find freedom with tips, insights, and interviews. You'll learn the exact systems he's used to travel the world and live his best life. True success and happiness are all about freedom. And here's your roadmap on how to find freedom on your own terms. Welcome to the Investing for Freedom podcast. Here's your host, Mike Ayala. Thank you for joining me on the Investing for Freedom podcast. Today, we have a good friend of mine, Mark McGuire, and this guy and I have had some great conversations over the last few months. What I really love about life in general is just getting to know new people. And what I've found recently is when someone's reaching out to you or you're reaching out to them, our time is so valuable. And so number one, we've got to protect that. But number two, when you find amazing people, just go all in on it. And so Mark and I've talked a couple of times and I'm like, dude, we need to do a podcast. And he's like, I love podcasts. Let's do it. And so Mark, thanks for showing up and adding value, man. Absolutely, Mike. It's an honor, man. Really pumped and hoping to drop a couple of bombs. I'm sure there are knowledge will. bombs. Yeah. <laughs> Not actual ones. Not actual bombs today. Cool. Well, let's dive into the four questions. We're going to get right to it. You guys are going to be in for a treat today. Mark's a high energy guy. He's done a lot of cool stuff. He's actually working with, which I'll let him tell this story when we get into it, but he's working with another dear friend who was on the uh, show a while back, Sergio, and, and that show just was crazy. It went where I wasn't even considering. So just the fact that you two work together says a lot about both of you guys and i um, super excited to get into it. So Mark, who has had the greatest impact on your life? Yeah. So the, the, the person that I would say that comes to mind immediately um, definitely was my grandfather. Uh, my grandfather uh, was a real estate guy. Um, they built respite uh, laws for him because he had a hand in every aspect of real estate. But um, he's had a huge impact in, you know, how I think. And, you know, he taught me to, he always used to have this saying where I make money when I sleep. And it was a joke when I was 17. And now it's like my mantra. I want to make money when I sleep. Mm. Um, but yeah, so my grandfather, and then honestly, you know, at this point, like my mom has really had a big impact with who I am because my mom has been, um, just a, an example of someone who just works their butt off and is incredibly hardworking, gifted at their job. Um, but she works in a job that's just capped and I never wanted to be capped. Mm -hmm. I always wanted to control my own destiny, control my own income. And she crushes her job. And unfortunately just, she doesn't get to control her income. And I just never wanted that to be me. Hmm. Yeah, well said. What What is respite laws, just for our audience? So RESPA is the Real Estate Settlement and Procedures Act where uh, these real estate companies have all these vested interests and in title companies and mortgage companies and insurance companies. And my grandfather at one point had five real estate offices, a tax practice, uh, insurance business, uh, title interests, and basically every facet of real estate, he was monetizing it. And um, the government uh, has created rules and regulations to try to protect and inform consumers about the relationships that someone's suggesting. Hmm. You know what's crazy? And I'm not saying that I agree or disagree with it either way, but I've found a lot of times too that like, you know, a lot of times these laws that are meant to protect people actually like even just the accredited, I'm, I'm going to go on a soapbox, but even the accredited investor, I get it. Like we want to protect them, but at the same time, like it just widens the gap for everyone. It's so crazy to me. Um, but anyway, I don't, I don't know. I totally agree. I, I, it's like the accredited investor rule, like protects, I would call it cream puff deals that really would 
be phenomenal offerings to investors who maybe don't meet that requirement. Mm -hmm. Um, It just allows you to make money while going back to work. And, you know, they are loosening it a bit. I will say that the government is loosening some of that. Um, But, you know, then when you loosen it, then some shyster comes in and (laughs) lets you have it on the back end. Yeah. I I literally just got off a a podcast recording before this with my, with my CPA, who's very, very smart and forward thinking. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I can almost get, you know what? And it's not those of us that take advantage of what the laws that the government put in place. We just, I'm not going to complain about it because it's actually, you know, I've done very well, but the reality is I feel bad sometimes for people because the government puts these laws in place that restricts so many people from being able to take advantage of amazing things. So it's, it's interesting. If you could narrow it down to one thing that has had the greatest impact on your success, what would that be? Honestly, working for my grandfather while I played in a band professionally, I was the maintenance guy for 130 multifamily C-class apartments while I was playing, uh, in a band professionally and we were touring the country and we were doing originals. So we weren't playing covers. Um, I'll never forget the disparity of playing. We opened up for a band called the script, um, which, you know, if you look up the script, you'll know, play the songs, you'll know six of them. And we played at this show in New York city. And then I went, that was on a Friday night. And then I went back to work on a Monday night or Monday plunging a toilet at a C-class apartment building. And it was just like the most humbling experience where you were like at the top of the world and you could do no wrong. And then you were just like an average guy hmm. just plunging a toilet. Nice. <laughs> so yeah. it, it, it's been a gift, but um, I never wish to go back to that place. Yeah. What'd you learn from that? Don't be too, you're never too good to sweep the floors. Hmm. Um, you know, when you're the boss, you know, you're the guy who has to, you know, if someone that doesn't show up for work, then guess what? It falls on you. Mm. And, um, you know, one day you could be the king and then the next day, you know, you're, you're the peasant. And so treat everybody with respect just because, you know, you could be worth $5 million, $2 million, you'd be worth a hundred thousand dollars. You worth a billion dollars. It doesn't matter. You're still a human. You eat the same food. Mm-hmm. You go to the bathroom in the same place Yeah, and just be nice. Just be genuine to people because you just never know when you're going to be asking someone for a hand and you don't know when someone's gonna be asking you for a hand. So yeah. just be genuine and be nice to people. That's so good. I remember one time you just reminded me, I was with my father-in-law having coffee and I was whining and complaining a little bit about this guy that I was working with. who was genuinely an asshole. Um, <laughs> And he was also my boss. And anyway, um, so I'm talking to my father-in-law about this and he's like, well, you know, the thing that I've always, number one, I mean, you know, you work for him, he's your authority. You got to do what he says and be respectful. And, but my father-in-law said, you know, the thing that my grandpa taught me years ago is that guy puts his pants on the same way I do. And I'm just like, it was, I'm like, what the heck does that even mean? And, but it's like what you just said, like, we're all the same and you're going to be on one side or the other. And it's just the basic human, I guess, rule is just, it's respect, right? Just be a decent person, man. Uh, it doesn't matter whether you got a, a $1 or a billion dollars. Just be a decent person and decent people who are who have the billion dollars are going to see a decent person who has $1 and they're like, hey, I like that guy. Yeah. I want to help him. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
Well, I've thought about this so many times and I don't even know where I first heard it, but the reality is like money doesn't change you. It just magnifies you. Right. And so you could have an asshole that's worth $10. And if he had a million or a billion, he's still going to be an asshole probably. Right. But he's just going to be a bigger asshole yeah, at that point. Totally. An <laughs> asshole with money who controls a bunch of people. Right. <laughs> There's nothing more terrifying than an asshole who has too much time and too much money. Yeah. There's nothing more terrifying than that. I agree with that. I love it. What was your greatest setback and what did you learn from it? Oh boy. So a couple years ago, um, so I, 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 before I got involved with self-storage, actually I, I still have a, have a real estate team and that was really um, my, technically my second business, my first business with the band, but, my greatest setback was actually I, I got too big too fast and I, I didn't understand the value of people and systems. And those are broad generalizations for a lot of complex steps in between. But I, I, my systems weren't as good as they needed to be in order for my business to grow to the level I felt it should, should grow to. And your, your systems are only as good as the people who implement them. Mm. So I didn't have the right people in the right seats and they could do things from a skill perspective, but culturally uh, they're the place that they come, came from and the place that I came from were two different places. Mm -hmm. So when you put it all together, while they might've had the, um, capability to do what the job required. They weren't coming from the same direction that, that I came from and, and, and my, and the rest of the people came from. So we just got to this place where the entire thing just came to a head and just combusted. And I watched this built business that I had built for, you know, five years, basically just go up and smoke overnight. And, um, I just, it, it just went up in flames and I literally was like left in the ashes, kind of like looking around and I had my hand on the, I had the grenade in my hand and my finger was on the pin and I pulled the pin out, but kept the spring clip down. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I don't need this. I'm going to blow this whole thing up. I could just, I could throw this grenade and it, and I don't need it. I, I I'm better than that. And from that, I didn't let the spring clip go. Mm. I put the pin back in and I said, if I make this decision right now, it's going to make me feel good today. But six months from now, I'm going to hate myself because I'm going to say, you know what? You just blew up a good thing that, that was still there. Mm -hmm. like, there was still a skeleton that was left and you just completely decimated it. Mm -hmm. So I put the spring, I put the pin back in the grenade, I put the grenade away and I had a level set conversation with everybody. And I said, guys, this isn't what we wanted. This isn't how we envisioned it going. But we now know what we don't want. So now we can build, got skinny, got intentional and like build it back. And we're on track to double where we were two years ago. Wow. And that's your, that's your real estate team. Is that that business or? Yep. So the real estate team is still in existence. I've basically, you know, brought on somebody else as part of my real estate team to, you know, into the ownership fold and, um, have vested a couple of key people who have really made the growth possible. Mm. I realized in that moment who was loyal and who was in it to support the business, not just who was in it to make the most money. Cause I found when you attracted people with money, they left you for money. Yeah. And I had to learn that lesson the hard way, Yeah, but it's still there. And I, yeah, I, 
I'm now backing out gradually from that. And on the day to day, I'm just doing more of the business management and some of the personnel and the, the business, like higher level business items. But on the day to day, it's, um, it's more a couple of key people in my organization that have been there through it all. I love it. You know, um, we can come back to this too, if we want, but I, I have a guy that's a dear friend of mine. He's worked with me in multiple businesses. He's been on the show before. His name's Tyler. And he's the CEO of our um, mobile home park company, Park Place Communities. And this guy has, he worked for me back in the day and then he bought an insurance agency and he owns mobile home parks and he retired at the age of 32, I think, and then came to work with us um, as an operations guy at first, but now he's the CEO. And I get asked this all the time, like we'll be out on the golf course and somebody's like, what do you do? And he's like, I work for Mike. But then they find out that he owns insurance companies and mobile home parks. And I, I've heard this over and over and over. I've heard people ask him and I've heard people ask me, same question. Well, if you're so successful, why are you working for Mike? And like, it's just such a, so I'm listening to you and I hear the same question. Like, okay, well, and so you've got this successful team. So number one, how did you attract? Because like you said, if you hire somebody for a dollar, an extra dollar, they're going to leave you for an extra dollar, right? So number one, question number one is, how did you attract this guy? Because you're obviously out doing self-storage now and you're partnered up with Sergio and Hearthfire Holdings, right? Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So you're doing this thing, but yet you've got this other successful business. Like, blow their minds. Like, how does that, how's that even possible? Well, first of all, it comes from hiring the wrong people and finding who doesn't work. So With the grenade. unfortunately, <laughs> spoiler alert, uh, you have to mess it up before you can find out how to do it right. Mm. Uh, I don't know how, I don't know if you can skip that stage because yeah. at some point in the game, if you haven't been through the stage to appreciate the, how appreciate the development of the lens to assess mm-hmm. the right fit, mm-hmm. then you're, you're going to get there. It's just a matter of like what stage in your scale process do you hit it? Mm-hmm. So I, I, who knows if you don't hit it, like you're a unicorn, congratulations. I'd like to meet you and tell me how you do it. Well on that, and I don't want to detour you, but I, I agree. The majority of people that I talk to that are really successful and have done multiple businesses and ventures and they've blown something up. So I agree with you. Like conceptually, I would say 90% of people that I talk to have gone through what you did. But mm-hmm. I've also found recently, um, especially, you know, we're in GoBundance together and there's like a, you know, there's a big surge of guys coming in and I've had a lot of amazing new conversations. I've had a lot of conversations lately with guys that are 45, 50, 55 years old, and they have very, very successful businesses that they've never blown up or almost blown up, but they're not, they haven't reached their potential either. And so I think the other side of that, I'm with you. I think you're a hundred percent right. Most people that are young and aggressive and have done multiple uh, wins and exits and everything else have have had challenges. But I have been talking lately to these guys that, you know, they've ran their businesses for 30, 40 years, but this just never reached its potential. They're doing a million dollars a year in revenue. You know, they're they're profitable, but it's just slow and steady. They're bored, and so I agree with you. I think if you're going to have any level of major impact and re- reach your, your, your full potential, you're going to learn the hard way. I, I totally agree. I mean, you can build slow and steady and build it to a large gross number over 30 years. Um, I, I just depends on what you want, mm-hmm. right? Like, and, and I've actually learned this the hard way because 
I used to want this big monolithic thing mm-hmm. where it was going to be huge. And, um, I, you know, and, and, and there's a lot of ego driving that and a lot of ego attached to that. And then I was like, you know, I don't care so much about how much I gross. I actually care about how much I net because yeah. I realized how much I was grossing and how much I was netting. There was a massive disparity. It was a giant sieve that just leaked out all this cash. Mm-hmm. And so I had no control over my expenses uh, the year that my world went into oblivion. And I was like, gross, 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 gross. And then when push came to shove at the end of the year, I was like, I did all this gross. I like almost doubled my gross and I made 5,000 more dollars. And I, I'm, we're talking gross, like, 250 to 500,000. Like it, it, like it was astronomical, the growth year over year. And it, it was just like a mind shift where I'm like, how could I have made that much more money in theory, yeah. but law, like not really made that much money. And it wasn't until I sat down with my accountant at the end of the year and was like, saw my AGI adjusted gross income. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I just started laughing. Like I was just like laughing incredulously at how I sacrificed my life mm. for 5,000 more dollars and I was like, I really got this whole thing wrong. Yeah. Like I messed this whole thing up. Yeah. I'll just never forget. It. Like I was like, my accountant was like, I don't understand why you're laughing. I'm like, <laughs> if only you knew. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. I, I, I kind of derailed you there, but so back to, um, you know, you got this guy running your business and, and you, you said the way to not do it. But so how do you, like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, how do you go on and work on something else and have this amazing team in place. What does the that look key like? is to find people. You have to assess what values are important for you. Mm. So you can have multiple businesses when you leverage them correctly. Um, I went to uh, Tony Robbins business mastery seminar, and I'm going to save everyone in here $10,000 and give you the one nugget I took away that still sticks with me today. And he said, if you can't figure out how to raise one kid, don't go have three more. And so as an entrepreneur, you go and say, Hey, I like built this business and it's like kind of functioning, but I'm like, I'm kind of bored over here. I haven't really figured it out, but I'm kind of bored. So it's like, you had your first kid, you like, they kind of grew up a little bit. And then it was like, ah, yeah, that kid's kind of cool. He's good. He's going to figure it out. So like, I'm gonna go have another kid. Meanwhile, this kid is like off the reservation, totally out of control, just throwing temper tantrums all over the place. Mm. And then you started the second kid. That's also throwing temper tantrums because it's an infant. It doesn't know any better. So you have a toddler who should know better if it was parented correctly, but who, and then you have an, in, an infant who doesn't know any better. So your, your attention has to be on the infant, right? And so what I realized is I had a toddler totally misbehaving, wasn't, wasn't taught correctly. I didn't, and by that, I mean, I didn't have the right people. I didn't have the right systems. And so this was misbehaving I, over here. I'm doing this company. I'm doing this company. And they weren't companies. They were just like side projects that seemed like a good idea at the time until I realized my core business was absolutely fucked. Mm. So I got to a point where I scrapped everything but the core business. And I said, okay, I'm going to figure the core business out and I'm going to find, you know, I have to go back to my core people within my core business mm. and make sure that we align and make sure that we are coming from the same place in the way we approach our business. Mm -hmm. And that is like the, you know, the core values and all the, you know, the business stuff that everyone talks about. And it's like kind of frou-frou and like, Oh yeah, it's just like, you know, business stuff that corporate wants to initiate just because it makes us feel good. It doesn't make you feel good. It actually helps you hire qualified people who are going to stick in your organization. So that's what we did. We went back to that and said, I want people who are long haul, team first, 
you know, value wealth building, that they, you know, do what's best for the client, even if it's not as best for them and really define those couple of things. And then we define what we didn't want people who were flashy people who were, um, you know, that, that joined for money because they left for money and people who, you know, it was whatever the net, the best net result for them was the best decision for them. And so when we really looked at those two things, you know, kind of pulled them apart, anybody else who comes to potentially be considered for organization, we put them up, we put that lens over top and say, where do they fall here? Mm. And since then I've had two hires and they've been phenomenal hires. And like, I'm not looking to hire people. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, people are, are attracted to who we are. Yeah. It's a totally different ball of wax recruiting versus attracting. I, I, that's my, that's my new game. I love it. So you, you blew it up, you regrouped how, like, tell me, did you just go like on top of a mountain for five days and, and came down with the plates on the manual or how, like, how'd this evolve? You have a mentor, somebody teach you, you hire a consultant. What happened? I journaled. Nice. I journaled for pages. I journaled all of my life lessons that I would take away from all of my mistakes. I summed them into one page and made 10 bullet points. What? And if it would be helpful, I'll send it over to show notes. So it kind of was like going up on the mountain and getting the 10 commandments. Like, <laughs> dude, I was in a dark place, man. I was like questioning. I was questioning five years of my life. I'm like, what, what was all this for? Mm. Cause I let my health go. Mm-hmm. My relationship was on the rocks on a good day. Cause it, my relationship was not a priority at all. And my wife tried to help bring it back into, um, into view. And, and I was just too far off the reservation. And it, and it just wasn't until my whole business went up in smoke that all of a sudden I was like, well, if I die, like they're not going to be in my funeral. My wife's going to be in my funeral. And then it was like, Oh, well, I should probably pay attention to that. Cause mm-hmm. she like has given a shit and has been trying to help me the entire time. Wow. And I've just been casting her aside. So it just really took me to get to a really dark place of like, my ego was gone. Like I was not the superhuman, you know, brain-making, lead-generating behemoth that I thought I was in my mind and just was like, okay, it's time to be, it's time to reevaluate what's important. Wow. That's powerful. Good stuff, man. What is the piece of advice you find yourself sharing the most? So I read a book that really changed, that I, I can't unread. Uh, the book is called Rocket Fuel, mm. and um, in that book, and it's a, it's a pretty short read. I mean, it's like a must read for anyone who's trying to start a business or who has a business. I, people naturally have, you know, there's two skill sets. If you're you're an entrepreneur, if you're, you know, someone who wants to do a business, there's there's two ways of like two essential roles that need to be filled in an organization. You have the the visionary. And then you have the integrator. And when I read that book, it really started to frame some things up for me that like I watched happen and then kind of like archived over the years, Mm -hmm. but I couldn't articulate why. And it framed that up in a way that I couldn't unsee it. And I was like, all right, so I'm kind of a visionary, but I can kind of flex integrator. And so, but I really need an integrator because I can't live in integrator. So it really helped me get intentional about like, who do I need? in an organization to really level it up because you need both. Mm -hmm. And without that, 
you're just going to just kind of go in circles or you're going to, you're going to keep the lid on your, your potential because by nature, your skill sets aren't all the way integrated or all the way visionary. And you just want to play where you're strong yeah. and stop trying to like work three times as hard to just get back to flat where your, where your strong suits are. Yeah. You know, it's interesting, even just back to the, the comment that I made about, again, agreeing with you 90, 90%, 95% of I think 90 to 95% of those people that I was talking about that have blown their business up, they're probably visionaries that didn't understand they needed an integrator. But the other 10% that I was talking about that have, you know, plugged away in their business, they've done well for 40, 50 years, they're probably an integrator that doesn't have any vision, um, which I'm a huge fan of rocket fuel and traction as well. We've had a lot of great conversations around it, but it's funny, just like personality tests, you know, like when you say you can't unsee what you saw in rocket fuel, it's the same with like personality types, right? Whether it's disc or whatever, like the minute went, like when you work with that long enough, the minute you see somebody who's a high eye, like I just can't unsee that. But same thing with like rocket fuel and traction. Like once you start going through that process, I love the way you said that you just can't unsee it. It's just like so ingrained in our thinking. It's, it's challenging. Like you can't, you can't see it until you can't unsee it. Yeah. Like, honestly, that's the way it is. <laughs> yeah, it's like, good. and then like the things that, you know, I, I remember there was a, the, the guy who's ultimately take, you know, stepping up in my organization, I wanted him to kind of like be me, which was totally unrealistic mm. and was totally, um, wrong. Like my thought process is wrong. And I, and, and I lean more visionary and I have this, uh, this gap in my own skill set where I assume people see what I see. Mm-hmm. And so I would assume that he would see these things that I was so crystal clear to me and he couldn't see them. And so when I finally realized that he, his brain just doesn't function that way, mm-hmm. but there were things that were very crystal clear to him that I couldn't grasp. It was just like this, like sweet surrender of like, all right, you do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do this. And we're each going to stay in our lane. And like, I hate that. And you hate this. So like, yeah. let's just do our thing and we're all going to have a better life. Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That's so good. And so many times, like, you know, we, we feel like I was literally having a conversation with a guy yesterday that's in mine and Kara's couples mastermind. Um, when, when they're in the mastermind, they get a call with us once a month and I'm talking through this and he's like, he's evolving into his visionary role. And I'm just so excited, like watching him do this yet. He's going through all these same emotions that we, and I just want to get your take on this. He's going through all the same emotions because once we, you know, you were just talking about the fact that we think people see things the way we do, but now he's evolving into his visionary role and he's feeling guilty and he's feeling like, you know, like he's leaving his integrator. And I'm like, your integrator wants you to get the hell out of the way, but it's, you know, you can't like, you just got to go through the process, right? I mean, somebody can tell you 15 times, but until you get it. Um, so, but it's kind of fun watching other people go through it and have their visionary like epiphany and journey. So thoughts. I feel like it's, it is really amazing. I, if I've shared rocket fuel once, I've shared that book freaking 60 times. Mm-hmm. Cause I, it's just totally evolved my thought process. Mm-hmm. And when you watch someone's own thought process, just shift and they start to value what they're capable of. Mm-hmm. And then they start to leverage what they're, what they struggle with mm-hmm. and their life just open. It's just like the freaking traffic clears and it's just a freaking four lane highway and there's no one on it. Yeah. <laughs> and you just stay in your right lane and you let the other dude stay in the left lane yeah. and everyone just drives that much faster. Yeah. It's just like, it's incredible. And the hardest part is getting people to let go 
of and people are often the bottleneck in their own organization, right? Like, mm-hmm. and I was the bottleneck in my organization, frankly. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I was this guy that was trying to like, you know, do everything. Mm-hmm. And what I realized was I couldn't be in the business management side and the pr- the production side because it like, it takes different skill sets. And like, I was doing both things poorly instead of doing one gr- really well. And so since I've just transitioned to doing one really well, like I know my schedule, I know my responsibilities, I know where my targets are that I need to hit to move us forward as a, as a collective, instead of just trying to like spray a little here, spray a little here, spray a little here. Hmm. And then I'm just coming in like clogging up everybody's workflow because I'm inserting myself and just creating an absolute mess for everyone. Yeah. Which visionaries are phenomenal. Yeah. Roadblocks. Like they are the, the, the gift and the curse to growth in the organization. Yeah. I resonate with that so much. And I think, you know, even back to, you've got this other organization that that's running, you've got, I'm assuming an integrator there, and now you're off doing some other things. I think when you say visionaries, like, I mean, we're famous for this because when we, when we don't lean into our visionary role and we don't move on to something new, different, higher, even if it's in the same organization, it might be a new division. It might be a new, you know, clientele, whatever we try to blow shit up because we get bored and like literally, <laughs> literally like companies get to a point where, um, you know, they're, they're good. And they're, you know, we want, we want 20, 30%, 50% growth. And really like, you know, you get to a point where this machine's buzzing and you were talking about, you're only as good as the people, the systems are only good as the people who implement them. And you've got all this stuff that's working right. When a visionary gets to a point where our child has grown, meaning like our business has grown and it's like, an adult and it's functioning and it's efficient. Like we're looking for things that are broke. We're always trying to make things better. And sometimes you just need to get the hell out of the way. As you were saying, that's like how I feel about it. I I totally agree. It it gets to a point where your involvement actually hampers the future. It hampers the growth. It it doesn't go and, you know, help it. Like your involvement actually holds, it holds the organization back. Mm -hmm. So you have to, you know, get it walking, get it talking, get it, you know, like, and, and hold the hand as it's going through those phases. But at a certain point, just get the fuck out of the way, man. (laughs) Like just get out of the way and let people do their job. Like let people do what you hired them to do, Mm -hmm. because if you don't trust them to do their job, you should probably fire them and go find someone else who you can trust. Mm -hmm. And then that's like the whole conversation of right people, right seat. Like, Do they know how to do it? Are they able to do it? And do they want to do it? Yeah. Yeah. So good. I love it. You were talking earlier before we started recording about, you know, just, I don't, I'm not even going to try to paraphrase the way you said it, but just basically doing life with amazing people. Talk, let's talk about that. Cause I was like, well, so what do you like, what do you, where, what are you really focused on right now? So I'm focusing on only dealing with people that I genuinely enjoy being around. And, and like, that's not on a, like on a Friday night, Saturday, Sunday, or, you know, on a, on a social basis, like this is on an, on an all day, everyday basis. Mm -hmm. If you're good at your job, but you're an asshole, I'm going to find somebody else who's good at their job. Who is great to work with. (laughs) I I don't need any more assholes in my life. There's plenty of assholes in in the world right now. I don't need to patronize Mm -hmm. I really just want to do 
work with good people because then you enjoy it. And then like, no one's yelling at people. I mean, things will get tense, you know, mistakes will happen and things you'll be frustrated. They won't always go as you intend, but if it goes poorly and then someone's an asshole about it, that experience is that much worse. Mm -hmm. So I really try to surround myself with good people in all aspects of life, personally, professionally. And if someone is great at what they do professionally, but they're just terrible as a human, like I'm at a point in my life where I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go work with someone who maybe isn't quite as good at what they do, Mm -hmm. but they're just genuinely okay. And they're, they're a joy to be around. And that'll be my bridge until I get where I really want to go and find the person that I ultimately want to work with. Yeah. It's just life's too short, man. Like it's, it's too short to be upset. It's too short to be miserable. It's too short to work with people who suck. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people fill that mark. I, I want to dive into this a little bit because you're you're in the middle of it and I resonate 100% with everything you're saying. My wife always says, there's actually a sticky note on my mirror that showed up like six months ago. And it said, if the energy exchange isn't equal, I don't have room for it. And I'm just like, wow. Like this is just totally like brought into words. Because, you know, sometimes you'll be like, dude, that guy's just kind of a dick. And you just, you know, you're like, am I being this ego or what? But when she repositioned it to like energy, if the energy exchange, if I'm not, if I'm putting more energy and effort into a relationship than somebody else's, I don't have time for it. So anyway, I want to, I want to dissect this from your perspective. So I think a lot of people feel and believe what you're saying, entrepreneurs, business owners, even coworkers at work, which they don't have a lot of control over that. But, um, how do you, like, how do you build that into an ecosystem? Is it just like filtering people out as they come? Is it like filtering it out before they come? What does this look like for you? Everybody in life is a lesson. Everything (laughs) in life is a lesson. Everybody and everything is a lesson. I like that. A lesson of what you want, a lesson of what you don't want, a lesson of who you wish to become, or a lesson of who the hell you never want to be. My grandfather always used to joke with me, I'll only pick up my good traits. And I'm like, we call him Dumpy. Like, thanks, Dump. Appreciate that. That's not a joke, by the way. (laughs) So um, as it relates to people and energy exchange, if I find someone to be toxic, man, like it's so important and crucial to like preserve your mind space and your mind share. Mm -hmm. And if people are toxic, like, dude, I'm just so quick to be like, I'm done with you. Like, I'm not even going to interact. I don't care what happens to you. And, And maybe that makes me cold and awful as a person. But like, if you're just bringing bad vibes because you're existing in my, in my ecosystem, like that's bringing me down. And Mm -hmm. I care too much about what I want to do for everybody else Mm -hmm. that if you're bringing me down, I'm bringing everybody else down. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone's just got bad vibes, dude, I'm just, I'm like, see you later. I'm done. Mm -hmm. I I clip them right out, man. I, I, and I'm not, I'm not forgiving with that. And I mean, I've been in, at it with my parents where I'm like, you know, there's certain people in my life I've cut out. My mom, my mom, my dad are like, you've known them for forever. Like, how can you cut them out? I'm like, because they don't want in their life what I want for mine. Mm. And I watched this documentary um, uh, with Jimmy Iovine. Uh, it was on the history of Beats. Mm. And when he was working with Dr. Dre, um, and they talked about one of his gifts is that he just continually shed the people who pulled him back to molt into the new version of who he needed to be to grow into where he wanted to go. Wow. And I forget the name of it. It was on HBO, 
like look it up. It's Jimmy Iovine HBO documentary. It's it's phenomenal. But I'll never. There's a quote in there that says, "Let fear be your tailwind," mm. and I have let fear be my tailwind my entire life because I'm so afraid to understand what life is like unfulfilled. Wow. I'm terrified. Yeah, that's such a good point. I, as you were saying that too, I think most people are scared or our fear is like a headwind, right? Like it's such an opinion. Fear drives me, man. Yeah. I, 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 fear fuels me. I never know what I, I've never grown up without, without being able to, you know, wonder where my next meal comes from. And I know people who have, and I never want, I never want that for, for me, for my friends, for my family. I will go way out of my way to make sure anyone that I care about is forever. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like I will kill my, I will work 18 hours. Yeah. I will. I don't care. Yeah. Because no, no one that I care about is going to be without. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause my coach has been working with me for, I've been working with this guy for a bit and I love, I really enjoy working with him. It's more about me. It's not a business coach or anything, but he talks about, and I'm just seeing this, the, the way that you said that. So he talks about away goals and most of us are really good about talking about, you know, like when we say, I want something or I want to be this type of person or whatever. Most of us are like, okay, so why do you really want that? Well, I don't ever want to have to worry about this and I don't ever want to have to do that. And so it's an, it's an away goal. And then we need to reposition that to toward goals. Like I want to be a giving person. I want to be generous. I want to be a great friend toward goals. But when you're saying fear has been a tailwind, it flips that because most people fear is a headwind, which actually keeps us from moving forward, but we're scared of you know, all the things that we don't want in life, but you flipped that for me. And I really appreciate the visual because fear being a tailwind. And I've said this. So when I, when I left at 24 years old and, and started our first business with three young children, my wife had just had our third. This was the question. My, my wife's like, so are you feeling good about this? Like she had total peace. I did. And I literally thought to myself, I'm like, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? I have to go back there. Like I have to go back to my $22 an hour job. Like that was, it wasn't even it wasn't even that fear was a, a tailwind for me, but you're repositioning it for me a little bit because um, I, I don't, it's not even really about going, I just don't even see myself going back there. But I think most people fear is a headwind. I think that's the big, most people don't do totally. anything because they're scared. And you're like, screw that. Like fear's a tailwind. I love it. It's pushing you. No, it, it and I don't want to take any credit for fear as a tailwind. That is totally Jimmy Iovine. That dude is far more intelligent, far smarter, far wealthier than I am. But I'll tell you, like I heard that, I wrote that in my journal the next morning and I haven't been able to unhear it. And so, you know, I look at it and say, I I don't ever want to be in that place. Mm-hmm. So whatever I have to do, mm-hmm. and, and you know, when I say whatever I have to do, I'm not going to step, I'm not a step on people to get where I want to go kind of guy. Sure. Like that doesn't make me feel good inside. No, I want to collaborate to get where I want to go. I want to pull people up with me, mm-hmm. but whatever you got to do to get to that place on a moral, legal, ethical stance, like, dude, that's what it's going to be. And, and, and I think most people want to get, they see people in a certain place actually just had a really good friend of mine. I wasn't going to tell the story, but I'm going to tell it now. Yeah, Cause it. bring it. One of my closest friends, um, you know, I was kind of talking through some things with them and kind of telling them through about my journey. And we were talking about, um, you know, just where, you know, the evolution and, and, you know, he lives, you know, he moved in central Pennsylvania and, um, you know, he's just like, like he and I were like fricking frack. We were neck and neck and he was a couple years older than me, but, um, super motivated, super talented. 
just like he could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo, just a genuine relationship builder. He would kill it in sales in any way, in any job he could sell it. Hmm. And, um, you know, he's like just been the, the dad on the spot. I mean, he's just been a phenomenal father, phenomenal husband, and you know, had some challenging life situations with his kids. And, um, you know, he's just been forced to pivot. And so I was over his house. He come home and, uh, no, he said some stuff that was just like, he like basically attacked my success. Mm. And I'm like, dude, out of anybody I know, how the fuck can you attack me? Like, you know where I've been, you know, the sacrifices I've made to get to where I am. And I was like, it's like one of my closest friends going up, like would have been my best man in my wedding if I didn't have a brother. And so I remained curious instead of doing the first thing I wanted to do, which is say, how dare you fucking say that to me? Yeah. And I just remained curious. And this was like 2 a.m. We're talking. White Claws were involved, but it wasn't enough where it was substantial, <laughs> where I think it would have impeded total progress. Yeah, totally. <laughs> but, you know, we had a really powerful conversation. And since then, like, he's totally just, like, he had a mind shift. Mm. And it's just got his wheels going. And I just talked to him t- two days ago and he was like, thanks for letting me be jealous of your success. And thanks for not yelling at me and just allowing me to be angry so I could get curious enough to figure out how I could be better. Wow. And I was like, that's what it's all about. Like, that's it. That's so good, man. Like that was one of the coolest things that's ever happened in my life. And like, talk about impact. Mm. Like I was, I was like, I was so pissed. I was so angry in that moment. And I just bit my tongue and said, there's something more to this than what I understand right now. And I just remained quiet and curious. Mm -hmm. That's so good, man. I'm thinking back to years ago. I hadn't even thought about this statement for, I don't even know how long, but there's probably 20 years ago. I, this guy, this guy made this comment and he said, most broken relationships are just misunderstandings. And then like, what I'm hearing too. And I, I just want to, I like honor you for a second for leaning into that. It, 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 something flipped in my head. And so number one, you love this guy. And so, so you knew there's something off here. Right. Um, but what, what flipped in my brain and I've learned this the hard way, we also have to be really careful. Like if there's not a deep love in a relationship, we have to be really careful for the advice and the comments and the input that we give. Because when he said that to you, you leaned into your feelings and curiosity and love around him. But if, if he was just some guy off the street, like that probably maybe wouldn't have, well, maybe you wouldn't have even cared. But the reality is like most broken relationships are just misunderstandings. And when you said that, like that just brought that back to my mind. I haven't thought about it for years. And so I just honor you for, you know, the way you pulled through that and the lesson on the other side of it, because now look at where he's at. Like, dude, the outcome is like, couldn't like, I would take, 10 times the pain if I knew the outcome on the other side was going to be what it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, it's just like cool to see his breakthrough and what that's, you know, it, it's not settled yet, but it's just like his, just the tweak in his, in his mindset and, and what that's going to do ultimately for his family and, and just his overall happiness. I'm like, dude, that's what, that, like, that's the impact I want to have in this world. Mm-hmm. Like, like helping people like that, like that is cool. Yeah. I mean that like doing that for people, man, it's just, Phenomenal. Okay. I got about five minutes left. Um, we could probably go all day here, but so 
question that I want you to answer, and then we can talk about whatever you want. I know you guys are working on a lot of great stuff right now. Um, but here's my question for you. So back to, you know, the people that are in your, your sphere, how do you, how do you try I know none of us are perfect. We can never make a perfect hire. We can never make a perfect partnership, but how do you filter that on the front end? Cause we talked about, you know, if somebody's already around us, if they're already in our world and they're going to be an asshole, they don't get to stay. But how do we, to the best possible, because I know nobody's perfect, how do we filter that on the front end? Having a clear understanding of what you value. Mm. What is critical to the success, to your vision, to the success of your vision? If something, you know, requires a sprint and it's like highly monetized and it's going to require 12 months of just pure brute force, then like that might be one person. Mm-hmm. There could be a whole nother one where, you know, you have, it, you know, in, in, in the real estate game and even with Hearthfire and, and, you know, our self storage operation that we've been building out, you, you don't really get paid any real money for three, four, five years. Mm-hmm. So if you think you're getting some get rich quick scheme, like, dude, you got another thing coming. Yeah. So I would just say like having crystal clear understanding of your non-negotiables in your company. Like what are the things that your employees value and they better all value it? Whether you are the CEO or you are the janitor, you better all value these certain things. And it's only like three or four things, but you have to go from a list of a hundred to get to three or four. Mm -hmm. And that's only the person, only the leadership team at the top can set that. Mm. So it's when you have that clarity, you will find the right people on the front end. And I mean, look, you're going to make bad hires. God, I, I have a book of them, but the people who everyone thinks that like, there's some magical thing of hiring the people who hire, who have hired more good talent have just hired a lot more bad talent. Mm. I, I, that's it. Like, that's really all it comes down to. You're, that's good. You, you've just, they've just been screwed by a lot more people. They've just had a lot more people come and take them for what they had and then leave. And if you think you're exempt, I mean, maybe you are. God bless you. I'd love to meet you because you're once again a unicorn. <laughs> but I, anyone I know who's really successful has had who's been screwed, who's had people go back on their deal, who's had people, you know, steal, who's had people cheat, who's had people lie. Mm. And, and like, it's, it's the, the, the people who go and build something great are the ones who choose to be the beacon on the hill and say, Hey, you know, I'm going to shine no matter what. I love it. I love it. So what are you excited about? Um, let's, let's bundle this up and put a bow on it. What are you excited about right now? I'm excited about the fact that my, we just closed today on um, our sixth storage facility today. It's nice. hard um, We're at over 150,000 square feet now. And um, I'm actually, fr- I'm, I'm actually taking this call from one of our self storage uh, operations offices. I just had a guy come in here with, <laughs> to pay his rent. I'm like, ah, I don't really do this, but here's a receipt. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> um, and you know, and the other thing I'm really excited about is, like I've been spending a lot more time with my family mm. and I have put my family to the side. They have been so patient and that includes my wife. 
my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. I'm like doing, I like went fishing five times in two weeks. I haven't gone fishing five times in two years. Like all of a sudden I'm just doing a little bit more for me. So it's really cool to, you know, have gone through that whole like mess that was 2019, rebuild it back with the right people, with the right attitudes, with the right values and come out on top. And people are like, dude, go take off. Like you've worked your ass off. Go do something for you. And it's like my people who are pushing me out. Yeah. That's cool. That is cool. That's the right hire. That's awesome. I love it, man. So you're going to share your 10, 10 things with us? Is that is that what you said? You willing to do that? Oh, dude, for sure. I got to dig it up, but I will gladly send the... I'll send the journal entry that I wrote. I also uh, wrote... Um, another journal entry that was some of the values that I had that are people that I would want in my company. That's cool. Um, if that would be cool, I took a couple photos of both Dude, those things. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So if you want that, just text me the word 10 T E N to four eight Oh five three one seven five one nine. And I'll get that over to you and make sure that we get you connected with Mark as well. Mark, if people want to find you, what's the best place? Yeah. So, uh, Mark, M-A-R-K at hfireholdings.com. That is, uh, the best way to reach me. Email is kind of my thing. Cool. Um, best way I have socials and stuff like that, but I really don't use it a whole heck of a lot. I try to avoid it as much as possible. Nice. Well, yeah, if you want to have a conversation with Mark, just reach out to him at email there. And you guys are raising capital, not currently, but you guys are always kind of looking and you're acquiring self-storage, yeah. right? Yeah, so we're acquiring self-storage facilities in Northeast Mid-Atlantic. And, um, you know, if you know anyone who owns any self-storage facilities in, in those areas and or anyone who wants to, you know, invest passively on the, as a limited partner, um, you have to be accredited. But, uh, we, you know, we're, we're, you know, we're always building out the, the bench of people who want to join us. Very cool. And you're partnered up with Sergio Altamare, who was on the show, I don't know, probably 10 or 12 episodes ago, right? And um, go back and listen to that too, because phenomenal team that you guys are putting together. So you you two are uh, you, you two are a great combination. I love it. Yeah, no, he's great, dude. It's been it's been a blast so far, man. It has been a journey. That's cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for coming on the show and being so open and transparent. Uh, I don't know. We got into a lot of good stuff, so probably have to have you back at some point. <laughs> I'd be glad to. Cool. Thanks, Mark. All right, Mike. If you found value in this episode and you know someone who's wanting to start or move further along in their journey toward investing for freedom, I would be forever grateful if you would share this show with them and help me get this message out to more listeners. Also, if you enjoy what you've heard, I would appreciate it if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. And until the next episode, cheers to moving further along in your journey of investing for freedom.